And now here we are, Jesus. Could you imagine if he shows up in 2020, shows up to your house, just suddenly appears and breathes on you? I mean, just somebody breathing on you normally would be bizarre, but especially during COVID-19. I mean, are you going to be the one to say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, where's your mask? But all kidding aside, see, Jesus' breath, it's a different kind of breath. It's a divine breath. It's a breath that existed even before time began. See, the Hebrew people who wrote the creation narrative described this breath and this wind of God using a word, ruach, which simply means breath or divine wind that is personified. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the host of the show, and I'm so thankful that you're listening. Last week, we just wrapped up a series called Cross Equals Love that culminated with our Easter weekend. If you missed any of that series, you can either go check it out here on the podcast, or you can check it out on our website, www.lifechurchcanton.org, and you can find all the messages there. Um, next week, we are going to be starting a series on the book of Ephesians, um, but this week is a standalone message from Pastor Jared. But I wanted to let you know about a couple of things. Um, God willing, hopefully we'll be back in person on uh, the first weekend of May. Um, and we're going to do something called New Life Weekend, which is our, our baptism service. So um, hopefully we'll be able to actually do that and, and all be in person together. So I just wanted to make sure that you all knew that. But until then, you can still um, find our messages online and on the podcast. So without further ado, here's Jared and enjoy the message. Well, hello and welcome to Life Church. I'm Jared and I'm one of the pastors and we're so grateful that you've decided to join us online today. Well, hello and welcome to Life Church. I'm Jared and I'm one of the pastors. And no, just kidding. Don't, don't, don't adjust your screen. There's no glitch going on. There's nothing wrong with your video or your internet stream right now. I'm just having a little bit of fun. If you were joining us for Easter last week, you got to see the glitchy version of me saying hello and happy Easter to you like five or six times. So we thought we'd try to recreate that moment just to make you feel a little bit more comfortable and at home. But no, you're, you're totally fine. We are glad you are here. Welcome. Thanks for joining us at Life Church. Uh, if I want you to do me a favor. If you're brand new, would you just go ahead and tell us? Would you type, I'm new, in the comment section and let us know so that we can reach out to you as soon as possible? And, and don't be surprised if, you know, 20 or so people also uh, jump on and comment and say, hello and welcome and glad you're here. That's very normal behavior for us at Life Church. We want to create a sense of belonging for you. In fact, if we were in our church building right now, what I would do is I would, I would point over to a wall that has our code signs on it. Our code is sort of who we are. It's our culture. What's, what, what makes us us? And one of those codes is you belong. We want to create a sense of belonging for all of you uh, so that you can experience hope and peace and love. Right? But, but also, we want to share that belonging with others. And so, would you all do me just one more favor? And would you go ahead and click share? Go ahead and share this video. Share this worship experience to others, to everybody in your circle, so that others can experience the hope of the resurrection. See, I want to say this again to you. Uh, happy Easter, because technically it's still Easter. So, happy 
Easter. Christ is risen and it's exciting. In fact, I want to share just a few numbers with you, a few figures that took place last week at Easter at Life Church. Uh, we had at least five people who decided to commit their lives to Jesus for the very first time. What does that mean? Well, they, they said yes to Jesus. They said yes to his way of life. Now, that doesn't mean that they have it all figured out or they have that, all the answers, but they decided to take a step of faith and say yes to Jesus and begin to encounter him in a brand new way. That's worthy of being celebrated. We also had at least eight people who felt comfortable to type, I'm new in the comment section. And so we were able to reach out to them. And, and if that's you, you're one of the eight and you're back joining us, welcome. We're glad to have you back. We wanna get you further connected and hope you stay connected. And eventually we're gonna, we're gonna be in person. It's not just gonna be a digital connection. So we look forward to that, but we're excited to have you with us as well. We had some 600 or so devices that were streaming our Easter services live uh, at any given moment. Now, there's some numbers that have to be attributed to that. That means that there's about one and a half to two people per every device. That's how the stats work. There's no such thing as a half of a person, right? But about 1,000 to 1,200 people were streaming our services live. And then, and then beyond that, many more people were able to follow up and and experience Easter at Life Church. It's, this is exciting. Easter is an exciting time. It's celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and it's good news. It is. But have you ever wondered or ever asked yourself this question, okay, so what now? What now? I mean, I know that Easter is important. I know that Easter is good news. And I know that it means that God is supposed to be in charge, but man, it doesn't feel like it. I've had an opportunity for many years as a pastor to talk with people who wrestle with this very question. They know that Christ is risen, that Christ is in charge, but what does that mean for today in this moment? Especially today, as I, I look out my window right now, I look out my window every day and I wonder, when are we all going to go back outside? Or I wonder about this invisible virus that is literally taking over our lives. And in some cases, it's taking our lives. We don't know how this is all going to continue to unfold. And there's a bit of fear and, and, and anxiety that comes along with that. It's, it's kind of a, it's a scary time. Yes, Christ is risen, but what now? You ever feel like that? And there's this moment in the scriptures that recaptures a, a similar kind of event, a similar kind of scene, and I would say a similar kind of emotion. See, after the crucifixion, fear and despair set in big time, obviously, right? Like the guy that they hoped that was going to be in charge, that was going to take over, that was going to help them win and get out of their situation and become king in the way at least that they thought he would become king, he doesn't. In fact, he doesn't even put up a fight and eventually he dies. And this isn't like a, oh, shoot, I guess we missed a good opportunity or, oh man, better luck next time. No, this is complete devastation. Devastation that would cause anybody and certainly the disciples to, to feel like, are you kidding me? God, what are you doing in this situation? Are you even here? Do you even listen? Are you paying attention to what's going on in our lives? What in the world is going on? This isn't 
better luck next time. This is a total disappointment and loss. Or at least, so they think. Because then Easter happens. Right? Easter happens and we're told that the women are the first ones to go to the tomb. At least it records in John that Mary Magdalene was the first one to go to the tomb. And she becomes this first preacher, this first evangelist, right? But then she goes and she tells Peter and John, two other disciples of Jesus. And they, they want to see it for themselves. And so it says that they race to go see the tomb themselves. And now it's important to know that John won the race. <laughs> it seems weird for me to say, but... Actually, that's written down in the scriptures. You can go and read it for yourself. John, who writes about this account, puts in for himself that he outran Peter. That's very strange to say, but apparently he had some kind of competitive spirit within him. But it's natural, right? There's this excitement and anticipation for what they're about to experience. And when they get there, when they go into the tomb and when they see it for themselves, see, you go into this tomb, it's kind of like a walk-in closet, and there's small tombs and big tombs, and we know that this tomb specifically had been already purchased by Joseph of Arimathea, who was a wealthier man, but he donated the tomb to Jesus, to the body of Jesus. And so they're able to go in, to walk into the tomb, and to see for themselves, and what they go and they find is the absence of the body of Jesus. And then it's in that moment that they finally believe that Jesus is alive. The the scriptures say it this way, that until this moment, they hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Think about that for just a moment, right? They spent three years with this guy. Three years following him everywhere, learning his every move, hanging on every single word. And they didn't know that this was the plan. They didn't, they didn't at least understand that this was where this was all going. They, they didn't get resurrection. This was incredibly confusing to them. But they at least believe now, finally, in this moment. And then you know what it says that they do next? You know what they do? They they go and they have this giant party. No, no, that doesn't happen. No, actually, they they go and they tell everybody else about what happened. Nope, not that either. No, they, they go on down to the local pub and they share a drink and celebrate. No, definitely, definitely not. No, you know what it says? It's just four words. Then they went home. They went home. They experienced the most life-changing, life-altering event in history, and they just go home. What would you do? (laughs) What would you be thinking? What now? Christ has risen, so what now? Well, for them, their what now moment is to, to go home. And not only do they go home, but they go home, they shut the doors and they lock it. And there they stay and they hide. That's what they do with their what now moment. I want to read the story for you. And the words will be on the screen. You can follow along in that way. But the story goes like this. 
That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So think about where this story starts. You're behind locked doors. You're in total lockdown, shelter in place, if you will, right? And you're afraid of what's on the outside because what's on the other side of this door is, is something that might cost you your very life. It's something that, that you have no control over. Feels kind of similar, doesn't it, to, to what you and I are experiencing in this modern age. But see, the experience for the disciples is, is quite different in that the thing that they're afraid of is what we see in the beginning of the story. It's the Jewish religious leaders who are the ones that conspired with the Romans to kill Jesus. And, and there's a good chance that they're probably out to find the disciples, his followers as well, because they want to quell this rebellion. You gotta imagine, if you're one of the disciples, what's your view of God in this moment? What do you believe about God? Think about the moment that they're in, the situation that they're in, hiding behind locked doors. What does that say about their belief in God? Again, we got to remember, they spent three years with Jesus, walking with him, learning his every move, hanging on every word, seeing miraculous signs and wonders and healings even, and then hearing probably the best sermons they've ever heard. They believe he's the Messiah. One of them, Peter, even verbalizes, you are the Messiah, but then he dies. But then just a few short days later, he rises again, he is resurrected, and, and they even believe that. But then they go home, and they hide. What does that say about their view and their belief in God? I mean, it's a roller coaster of emotions for sure, but also a roller coaster of experiences with their belief in God. On one hand, they believed that Jesus had risen from the dead, but then they go home? What does that say about their view of God in that moment? And then Jesus' first words out of his mouth when he suddenly appears among them, peace, peace be with you. Can you imagine that? Jesus just shows up. He, he doesn't seem to be all that deterred by their, their lockdown, their shelter in place. He just simply shows up. He doesn't even have to bust down the door or run through the walls, he's just there to bring peace. Peace and the fear and the despair and the anxiety that they're feeling in this moment. Peace for the fear of the unknown, of what's on the outside and not sure how that's going to impact them. Peace in the despair, thinking that, well, we lost now. This is over for us. Or maybe we even lost Jesus 
or we're not actually sure, we're not entirely sure that he's the king that we thought he was going to be. Peace in the anxiety. Thinking that, well, well I thought God was like this, but, but now he's like this? And, and actually, I'm not really even sure, and I don't have any control. Peace. Peace be with you. And then Jesus does something beautiful and and meaningful. He shows them the the wounds in his hands and in his side. And it's in this moment that they recognize him and that they feel joy. See, they associate their Lord, their leader, their king with his pain and his suffering and his wounds and afflictions. Doesn't that seem backwards to you? I mean, I think about, I I tend to be the most happy in the absence of pain. But see, that's that's where Jesus is different and radical. He's not interested in my short-term happiness, but more so in my long-term joy. See, joy and happiness are two completely different things. Joy is the thing that I need to sustain me in the presence of pain. One biblical writer says it this way, that Jesus, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, the greatest source of his pain. Jesus' pain and his wounds and his afflictions are how you and I will actually recognize who Jesus is. Not just on the cross, not just in the here and now even, but in the future, the future age to come when Jesus returns in the new heavens and the new earth. See, the biblical writer John who writes Revelation says it this way, that Jesus is the lamb who was slain before the creation of the world even. In other words, his pain and suffering was always part of the plan. It's how you and I will recognize him. It's how God, this divine being, identifies with humanity, with all of creation, but it's for our joy. See, this is how we recognize Jesus, and it's in this moment that the disciples feel joy. And then he does something even a little bit more bizarre. He breathes on them. He breathes on them. Never before have verses like this stuck out to me, especially in a time like this in April 2020 and COVID-19, right? Like where the whole world is being encouraged not to breathe on each other, to stand six feet or more apart from other people, to even wear a mask to protect breath, right? And now here we are, Jesus. Could you imagine if he shows up in 2020, shows up to your house, just suddenly appears and breathes on you? I mean, just somebody breathing on you normally would be bizarre, but especially during COVID-19. I mean, are you going to be the one to say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, where's your mask? But all kidding aside, see, Jesus' breath, it's a different kind of breath. It's a divine breath. It's a breath that existed even before time began. See, the Hebrew people who wrote the creation narrative described this breath and this wind of God using a word, ruach, which simply means breath or divine wind that is personified. See, God's breath, his wind, 
is revealed to us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so you see Jesus breathing on them and then saying, receive the Holy Spirit. They're synonymous. They're one in the same. The presence of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, is breathed upon them. Why? For for what reason? Well, things are about to change. See, it's it's an assurance of God's peace that's with them. That's why he says, peace be with you. But also, it's an assurance of his presence and his power that he wants to instill upon them for their purpose. This is about to be their what now moment. They're going to have purpose now. See, because of the presence and the breathing of the Holy Spirit that they're now going to receive, life will never be the same. Everything is about to change. But that means they're going to have to do something. They're going to have to Unlock that door. And they're going to have to go outside. Because Jesus is sending them. It's time to come outside. To come out into this new reality. And this new thing that they're going to have to face. They're going to have to face their greatest fears. But they're going to have to start getting to work. And that's where the Holy Spirit empowers them. See, they're going to have to do something different and live this radical new kind of life that's been empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, there's a lot of pain and frustration that they're feeling, and rightly so. And they're probably confused, but Jesus gives them his peace and also his purpose. See, they have to be about the work of the kingdom. And so that primary work he calls them to, what he tells them to do is to forgive people. That seems strange, doesn't it? Like this is a pivotal moment, a crucial turning point in the story and certainly in the resurrection. You think, you think Jesus would talk more than just about forgiveness. You think he'd, I don't know, talk about something exciting. Like, I would imagine him showing up being like, ta-da, I'm here, I'm alive, I did it. We're, we're, we won, we're in charge now, we're going to take over. But he doesn't say that, or he doesn't say anything like, hey guys, it's going to be okay, don't worry about dying, because, you know, whatever happened to me is going to happen to you, so just sit back and chill, and just wait for that moment to happen, and everything's going to be okay. He doesn't say any of that. You know, Easter is here, Christ is risen, so it's time to get to work right now, today. There's work to be done in the kingdom, and one of the primary functions of the kingdom is forgiveness. Forgiveness of who? Well, of the people that oppose them, of their, their enemies, maybe it's, maybe it's outsiders, people who disagree with them, those people. They have to go and forgive them. Certainly, we could look at the beginning of the story where they're opposed by the Jewish leaders. Maybe it's the the Roman Empire, the people that are hardest to forgive. That's what Jesus calls them to go do. 
And it's going to be really hard. But that's why he's given them the Holy Spirit. That's why he breathed on them. And now they're empowered to do something radical. It's going to be hard. They're never going to return back to normal ever again. That's the thing that I've been thinking about in this time. COVID-19, people are wondering, how do I return to normal? What is normal anyway? Whose definition of normal? I'm not so sure I want to return to normal. I, I think about, you know, everybody's definition changes depending on who you're talking to. Rich or poor, white, black, Asian, everybody's definition of normal is completely different. So what does he call us to? Well, he calls us to radical forgiveness, radical love, radical humility, and there's work involved. When I think about forgiveness in terms of Jesus and how he talks about, I I think about the, the nature and the agriculture that he talked about. You know, he says things like, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, or the kingdom of God is, is like workers in a vineyard or a farmer who's spreading seed in a field. It's like a fig tree. He uses all of these surrounding natural elements to talk about forgiveness, to talk about what the kingdom of God is like. If I were to think about it in a more modern context, I think about Nathan just preaching a couple weeks ago about forgiveness and he's burning the whole file cabinet, the records of wrongs, right? And you might even be thinking right now, just as I said that, wait, yeah, Nathan did talk about forgiveness just a couple weeks ago. You're saying we're talking about forgiveness again? Seems to be important and on the agenda for Jesus. Seems to be important in that pivotal moment when he shows up, the disciples are hiding and they're behind locked doors, but then he breathes on them to receive the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that he calls them to go do is forgiveness. See, I think we as followers of Jesus, sometimes we have amnesia. (laughs) We, We forget the work that Jesus has called us to. Forgiveness is a big piece of that. So when I think about the work that has to be done, there's, there's tools involved and it requires some, some effort here and there. We've got to kind of get our hands dirty and get to work. I think about, you know, tending to a lawn, especially right now. And, and it's the spring season and some of the, the ugliness is starting to show up in my lawn. We also have a dog as well, and so there's parts of our lawn where she's kind of killed the grass a little bit. So think about it maybe a little bit like this. Like I gotta get down into some of these parts and dig away this dead grass in order to remove the, the ugliness that it is. Now I can't just I can't just leave it like this because if I do, well then eventually weeds are gonna sprout up or they're gonna come and they're gonna take over some of the other parts. I have to do something, I have to fill it in with some seed so that something else can come up and grow and it can begin to take on beauty and shape once again. For some of you, as you've been in this season, this shelter in place, maybe for some of you, you've gotten closer with your family, but there's probably been some challenges along the way. Maybe you've had to learn how to love one another in a different way. Maybe you have come up against some things where 
forgiveness has had to take place. It's kind of like digging away dead grass and planting new seed. I mean, this dead grass, the roots aren't deep at all. It's, it's just kind of easy to take up and I can plant something quite easily. Some of you have had those moments and that's good to take advantage of those. But then there's some other work, hard work of the kingdom of God, hard moments of forgiveness that require a different level, a different striving of effort that requires just a little bit more. Kind of like other weeds in our yard. <laughs> I've got this whole section filled with some weeds that are taking over. And here's the thing about weeds and similar to forgiveness, if you don't tend to it, they just grow and they eventually take over to the point where the work is so impossible almost. See, I gotta come at some of these weeds and I gotta really get in there and dig. Because if I don't get to the root, well, then I'm just gonna break it off and it's gonna come right back. I gotta really get in there and it's gonna be hard and it takes a little bit more effort. I really gotta pull that up because it's stuck and it's intertwined with the roots of the tree and begin to see how challenging this process is. See, forgiveness is like this for the disciples. Jesus is calling to have them do something that is seemingly impossible. They're gonna have to participate in the work of the kingdom and it's not gonna be easy, but he's given them his spirit, his Holy Spirit to be part of something bigger than themselves. For some of you in this season, maybe there's been some really hard, challenging, painful times. Maybe there's people in your life that you wish just weren't. Your own enemies, outsiders, opponents, people that you would prefer not be in your life. Jesus is calling you to forgiveness, to healing, to reconciliation. Maybe for some of you, it is actually your marriage. Some of you are struggling in this time. Maybe in the last couple of weeks, you said something or you did something that totally crossed the line. And now healing and forgiveness needs to take place. I think for some of you, you're, your mental state has maybe worsened a little bit and it's caused a riff in your relationships and there's great pain there. For some of you even, you've experienced great loss. Loss of uh, your senior year and all the things, all the milestones that come along with that, the, the prom, the graduation, and you're grieving that and there's pain there. Maybe some of you have lost your income, your job, or maybe some of you have lost a loved one. That's hard. And I've seen even some people who want to blame somebody for the loss that they're experiencing. And I get that. Out of all of the things that I've mentioned, pain is a part of this process and it's real. And it maybe isn't gonna go away for a while, but here's the thing about Easter. Easter doesn't eliminate our pain. Easter illuminates our pain and our wounds but gives us peace in the midst of it. And it reminds us that pain is not the end of our story, that pain is not the thing that you and I will feel when Jesus returns and restores all creation once again. See, pain is still there. But this is why Jesus reminds his disciples two times he has to say it, peace be with you. 
if you're experiencing pain right now, peace be with you. May the Holy Spirit enter into your life. May Jesus breathe on you so that you feel his peace. In fact, I, th- I think about you know, all of the work that has to be done to clean up these weeds. It can be exhausting. I'm going to lose energy. And at times I'm going to need others to come alongside me. But that's the work of the church. See, there's peace for those of you who experience pain, but there's also those of us who are excited to live into the purpose. That's why the church exists. That's why we want to come alongside you and encourage you. If that's you and you need that peace in your life, would you let us know so you're not walking this journey alone? See, for those of us that are ready to live into this purpose, it's time to get to work. The work of the kingdom. It's such an honor and a privilege. What does that work look like? Well, for some, it's the medical workers that have already gotten to work. The doctors, the nurses, the researchers who have been hard at work every single day trying to push back this disease and the the despair that's happening in our world. I just want to take an opportunity. We as a church, we want to say thank you, medical workers, doctors, nurses, for the hard work that you're doing to help people. That's part of the kingdom of God, work, healing, restoration. For some of us, it is the work in our marriages that we need to, we need to confront one another. We need to address some of the issues that we're dealing with that we've maybe dug up a little bit in this time and have been forced to confront. Maybe that requires some forgiveness, some healing. Maybe for some of us, the work is to be generous, to to give, maybe to give of our resources. Maybe we were lucky enough to get to the store and get all of the resources that we needed, but now we realize we have plenty for our family, but maybe there are others, maybe in our neighborhood or maybe even people outside of our neighborhoods that desperately need those supplies. I, I just had a neighbor last week reach out and say, is there anything I could do to help? And at the moment, I didn't have anything, but then I realized, man, we're running low on paper towels. And they blessed us with four giant rolls of paper towels just to help out. What could this look like on a big scale for the whole church to live into our purpose, knowing that we have the peace that comes from the breath of the Holy Spirit to now empower others? It's time to get to work today. For some of you, Maybe there's been a a different kind of locked door. Maybe it's been a locked door to your heart. You're not sure about this whole Easter thing, this whole resurrection thing. We just want to say to you, would you allow Jesus, this might sound strange for me to say, but would you allow Jesus to breathe on you, to appear into your household or at least the household of your heart? to take up residence, to breathe on you his peace, and to give you a new sense of purpose. If you've been watching this whole time, and this whole Jesus thing is brand new to you, but you're curious, and you want to say yes to him, I want to invite you to pray along with me. Just a short prayer that you can pray in your own words and in your own heart. I want to invite all of us to pray together. God, I realize there's 
weeds in my life. There's brokenness in my life. And I don't know if I know you in the same way that the disciples did. And there's times where I feel afraid of what's on the outside, of what's on the other side of that door. I don't know what going back to normal is going to look like. God, I don't know what's in store. But God, I trust that you bring peace and that you give me purpose. So God, I wanna follow your son, Jesus, and I wanna live into the purpose that you have called me to. I pray it in your name, Jesus, amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org/now or fill out the form linked in the show notes, and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you watched Life Church online for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.